Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have comedian Ryan Hamilton. Ryan is well known for his Netflix comedy special, Happy Face, which has been called the special you can't watch enough times, and I can attest to this. Ryan Hamilton will be performing at the Comedy Connection in East Providence, October October 20th through the 22nd. Hi, John. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, not bad. So, uh, how are you feeling, by the way? I, I read that you were hit by a bus. Yeah, I am uh, I'm doing a little better. I'm back on the road. I'm able to work. I'm able to do pretty much everything that I could do before. What, what I'm happened? I'm doing okay. I was a pedestrian in a crosswalk with the light and was hit by a bus in Los Angeles. Well, that's because you're not supposed to be walking in Los Angeles, isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, it's something that you don't really expect, but it, it's an inherently funny accident, but it was very tragic. Oh, I'm sure People don't know how to process it when you say you got hit by a bus, you know? I, I appreciate it. I, I, yeah. I had two vaccines yesterday and my arm hurts. So, <laughs> Did you get the updated booster? I got that. And, and, yeah, I got, and the flu shot? Yeah, I usually, I never gotten a flu shot before and I decided to opt for it this year because um, I figured, what the hell, I'm getting a shot. I might as well go for broke. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to go in for those two. You get jabbed twice in the same arms. You could opt for two arms, but I have to. I have a gig tomorrow, and my guitar swinging arm needs to feel a little bit better than the chord side. So, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, I got to tell you, I've watched your Happy Face special. I don't know how many times. It's one of my favorite comedy specials. Oh no way! Uh, yeah, I, I love it. My girlfriend absolutely is in stitches every time she watches it. She's thrilled to pieces that I'm talking to you because she she thinks you're hysterical. That's so nice. Yeah, I mean, when we watch it, she just looks at me with this look and she's like bursting into tears laughing. She's laughing so (laughs) hard. Oh, that's great. That makes me feel good. Well, I mean, it's kind of your self-deprecating humor, but it's a little, you know, you go off to town on your face, which is like, wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that special's five years old now. I, so I noticed the date because I rewatched it so I could be fresh on it. And, uh, yeah. and I did notice it was five years old. You need another special. I know. Let's call Netflix next. <laughs> All right, we'll do that. <laughs> I love the I, I love the the line in that special it says, "Yeah, I really think I could move some ice cream." It's, it's like so I can picture you with the white suit and the bow tie and the hat. Right? Yeah, it's so funny. I I've been posting some of these clips from that special online, and new people are seeing me from five years ago, and I don't remember some of these jokes to be honest anymore. I remember them when I see them, but I go, "Oh yeah, that was a special. That's good. That's a line moving some ice cream. I'd I'd forgotten about." Great. Yeah, it's really a good yeah. line. And you have these facial expressions and your weird body movements that you do. That and because you seem like you're kind of tall and gangly too. For some reason, my special—it's strange. One of the most common questions I get is, "How tall are you?" Yeah, I because, was going to ask you that, but I just figured that that was dumb. Yeah. It's it's fine. I mean, it's good for me to get it out there because people are always confused. I think I'm six foot, but people think I'm taller than that. And oh, for really? some reason, my special looks like I'm taller than that. I don't know what it is or I don't notice it, but I get a lot from people. You're taller than that. Or even off st- on stage on a live show, I'll come off and people go, I thought you were taller. I mean, I'm not short necessarily, but I'm not, you know, I'm six foot even. Yeah, no, I, I got that impression that you were very tall because I'm six two and I was like, he looks like he's taller than me. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. My body's like an optical illusion or something. <laughs> like, 
I don't know what it is. Do you still live in Hell's Kitchen? No, I live on the Upper West Side now. Not too far. How do you start stand-up in a town of 1,000 people in Idaho? How does that come into your life? Smallest town you can probably think of. It's strange, right? It's like, I don't know. I was I don't know why, but I was drawn to comedy, stand-up specifically, from very young, like 10 I would just want to watch it. My parents would wake me up if there was a stand-up comedian on The Tonight Show and, and let me watch. There was a show, Evening at the Improv, that came on cable when I was young around then, and I would w make my family watch it every week. <laughs> and it was just comedians at uh, the Improv in L.A. But, you know, I didn't know anything about this world. But to me, it just looked like this place where there were people who weren't necessarily famous, who were standing on a stage talking and being funny, I was like, where is this place? I want to go to this place and meet these people. I don't know where it came from. I was pretty quiet, really. When I was like 12, we would read this humor columnist every Sunday in the newspaper as a family. His name's Dave Barry. You oh, yeah, know I know him. Yeah. I'm still a huge fan of Dave Barry. I thought he had the best job in the world for whatever reason. As like a 12-year-old kid, I thought, he just gets to write this once a week. It seems so fun. He's just talking about his life. That stuck in my head. And I, we didn't have a school newspaper. And when I was 14, I called the county newspaper and I said, can I have a column? And in Idaho in the 90s, they just go, yeah, you can. <laughs> Well, you said you were driving at 14, too, in Idaho. Yes, that's true. So you can drive at 14 because there's a lot of farm kids who need to be able to work. Right. So you get your driver's license at 14. So I started writing this newspaper column. You know, I tried to make it funny. It was, it was just about what was going on at the high school. And then there was a, another even smaller weekly paper that was just for our town, believe it or not. And they wanted one, too. So I was writing two columns a week. And I think I was making $10 a piece. And... I don't know. And then the, the NBC local affiliate from like an hour away, a town of like 50,000 people, called me up and said, we hear you're interested in journalism. Would you like to learn how to shoot sports and work on sports, high school sports? So I said, okay. And so you can drive. I'm like 15, 16. So I'm driving around. They taught me how to shoot sports. I would go shoot like eight-man football games, <laughs> eight, you know, like little tiny things. And, uh, you know, but it, high school sports was really big. I mean, that was like really big where I was from. So it was big as far as anything could be big. So I would shoot a couple I would go to a couple games, basketball, football, whatever it was, and then I would drive to the station on Friday night. I would do this every Friday, and we would edit the stuff together. I would sit with the sportscaster, and we would edit, and he was a funny guy, and he liked to have funny stuff in the sportscast. So we would edit, and I would kind of throw out jokes, and every once in a while, I would get a joke on the air that he would read, and it was just like the biggest thrill. I was just was like around this bustling newsroom. I don't know. It was something about the broadcast and about... The the humor in the broadcast and so i started studying journalism that's what i went to college for and i really thought maybe i'll be one of these on-air personalities but i just couldn't stop thinking about stand-up comedy and i had a little radio show in college because i was a broadcast major we all did and it just was broadcast like five miles around our campus but as a remote for our rate little radio show some of us were interested in comedy 
and we put together some stand-up comedy shows. This is when I'm 18 years old, freshman in college, and just at like a pizza place. It was broadcast over the air. We'd never been to a comedy show. <laughs> we were just interested in comedy. <laughs> I wrote some jokes, and there were like five or six of us. We each wrote jokes, and we did our sets. That was the first time I ever did comedy, and I did that three or four times when I was 18, but I didn't think of it as a career. It was just something that was always stuck in my head. I was always writing jokes always looking into it watching it reading about it but it wasn't a career for me it was just something that i was i don't know i just i didn't know how to do that really well, <laughs> didn't did know you, anybody how, how did you make the transition into actually building it into a career so i'm 18 and i did that three or four times and then i didn't touch it again until i was 24 I was thinking about it, but, you know, I went to college, I got out of college, and I switched over to public relations, and I had a job. My first real job was at a ad agency doing public relations in Salt Lake City, Utah. I worked really hard to get this job. I went in as an intern and basically forced them to create a position. I really wanted to work at this agency. And then, but I was still, I don't know, I just kept thinking about comedy. But, oh, I guess I skipped something. The, I was always working through college. And the first, I did start doing stand-up before this job, but just briefly before this job. But I, I remember the last day of my last final. I always worked through college. I never had time to, like, pursue anything else. I was working and going to college, and I just didn't have time. And then the last day I finished my last final, there was a little comedy club in Provo, Utah, where I went to college. There's comedy I, in Utah? There is comedy in Utah. That almost seems Utah. like an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, it's there. I mean, that's where I started my comedy career, uh, <laughs> other than those three or four shows in Idaho. But Salt Lake City was really the biggest city to me, which is about four and a half hours away. I went to school in this town called Provo, Utah, just like 45 minutes south of Salt Lake City. But there was a, there was a comedy club in Provo, Utah, believe it or not, just a Friday, Saturday, they'd have one show a night. I called them up after I finished my last final. This was the day. I remember I came home to my apartment. I was like, okay, I'm done with college. I hadn't graduated, but I was all done with my coursework and, and exams. I called them up and I said, how do you get on stage? I just want to try this. And they said, come down Friday. I went and they gave me five minutes and then I just started doing it. And then I just started finding little rooms that were there in Utah. You still, it wasn't a job. It was just, I couldn't stop doing it, but I had this other job. I got laid off from that job a year into it. I started really looking for another job, but I was pretty disillusioned with the job. I wasn't in love with it like I thought I would be. And I was doing comedy on the side for fun. Then I thought, I'm just going to try comedy for a year. I mean, I tried to find a job for like a few months, got a job as a parking valet. And I knew there was like a way to make money, like $100 a night mm -hmm. doing these gigs. Out west, you drive long distances and work in a bar. And I'd heard about these gigs. And so I thought, I'm just going to jump into comedy for a year and see what happened. And I started really pursuing these gigs. Somebody canceled once and I got one i had to drive in a blizzard six hours to town like on the border of one of the dakotas in montana this little town that was the first time i got paid to do comedy and i just started doing it like that 
And then I um, moved to Seattle so I could get on stage every night, which is so weird. But I just had some connections there. I did this comedy competition called the Seattle International Comedy Competition. I didn't even make the finals. It's like a month-long competition. But there's an industry night where there are people from L.A. who come up and, you know, managers and and, uh, network executives sometimes come to these things. And I won the industry night when they were judges and I made a few connections. And this was within that year where I said, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. So I won that night. And I and I was like, people were talking to me. And that was enough. They said, come to LA. I went on some auditions. I got a manager. And I just was like, that was enough for me to go, okay. I mean, I still wasn't making any money, hardly. But I just was like, I basically was like, went in debt into my credit cards. And I took this attitude, like, this year, I'm going to make as much money as I can. But I'm going to live as frugally as I can, but this is going to be like tuition. That's how I looked at it. It was like, I'm going to pay more college tuition to learn how to do comedy for a year. Well, that's a smart way of doing it too, because a lot of people don't think of things that way. They don't, they don't understand that there's a learning curve to just about anything that you do. And that, I think that is the way things are now is where people get out of college these days and they think they're immediately skilled to get a bazillion dollar a year job and they don't realize that they've got to learn more and people don't get that. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I was, uh, little thrown off by too was your age because i besides the height thing you looked young i thought you were in your like late 20s in that special and you're actually what 46 47 i'm currently 46 i don't like saying it but yeah i am 46 years old i know i mean i'm look at the i look i've aged a lot since that special (laughs) i look at that special that special was actually shot let me think on it was shot on my birthday i guess that would have been my 41st birthday or my 40th i think it was my 41st birthday yeah it's crazy they sang happy birthday to me oh that's cool yeah so the audience did what do your but, parents think of this whole career path that you've taken because it seems like somebody who lives in a small town is like oh my son went off to be a comedian and you know they probably are um, fretting and stuff and did they support you or are they like what the hell are you doing you went to college i mean they they were mostly supportive i think because i i did go to college they were more tolerant of it. <laughs> i think if i had skipped college it would have been harder for them to get behind it but my parents are both creative types you know my mom's a very talented writer my dad went to school and studied art education they didn't end up doing those things professionally. My mom was a teacher, a very good teacher. They had you know, very successful careers. My dad ended up as an engineer, entirely different field. Crazy. But they had that creative instinct in them. And so I think that helped them you know they just wanted me to be safe basically i don't think it was the career but like me driving around all these crazy places in the winter and you know like Mm. what are these bars you're working in it was more (laughs) about my safe my physical safety and my health than like my future you know but they were very supportive you know my whole life they've been very supportive and so i think they were just you know as any parent would be, it's hard to see your kids take risks like that. Right. But I think they were happy that I was doing something that made me happy. You know, One yeah. of the things that you've mentioned is that you've lived your jokes. And from the sounds of some of your routines, it sounds like, and the detail in these, in these, in these jokes, it does sound like you've lived these jokes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People ask, I mean, people still come up to me. Right now, I'm doing about 20 minutes on my recent accident and my recovery people come up to me after the show still and go 
did that really happen? <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> I could never have come up with all of that unless it actually happened to me. It's just so hard. It's so much harder to create something that didn't happen than right. to talk about something that did happen. You, you talk about showing up for a picnic that never happened with baby carrots and cube cheese. It did happen. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's the carrots and cheese cubes are added details, but the general sediment of that did happen. <laughs> well, and the whole skydiving you know. incident, which is pretty yes, funny. that happened. Belly button banana, yeah. belly button banana. Yes. <laughs> People sometimes wonder about the context, but yeah, they really came out. I had to drive home with one eye. I mean, it was like one of the, one of the contacts came out, but not both of them, but one of them came out. And so I, that's, it's all, it's all reality. It's all truth. But right. like, those are good examples of like, you know, of course it's, slightly exaggerated for well, a punchline because of that's semantics. Yeah, yeah, that's semantics and comedy, right. So but yeah, it's all it's all real experiences. I mean, yeah, I was in a hot air balloon. I went on a date with a girl, but so it's like it's hard to um specifically state every detail of your life. Right. Well <laughs> when it's when you're you sitting make, down with someone you can't yeah. Yeah, you have the ability to make something in your life and, and modify it creatively to make it funny and it works. And yeah. it's, and because yeah. of your the character you are on stage, you make it very funny and your mannerisms and you're just just the way you talk and you know yeah. when you're doing the baby thing and you're bobbing your head and you know then you do the thing where you get the wind knocked out of you and you do that voice yeah. i can identify with that because that whole thing with the bicycle and the handlebars i've been there i mean that yeah. I grew up yeah. with the banana seat and the you know the high yeah. handlebars and falling down on my bike and having to twist the handlebars back <laughs> and getting the wind knocked out of me i mean that's i live that so it's like that's what's so funny yeah. about it is i lived it yeah so i mean yeah. that's what that's the thing about your your comedy it's very identifiable to a lot of people because you talk about almost like the mundane things in your life but you make them hysterical it's extremely entertaining. I got to tell you. I mean, there are specials. I there are certain comedians that I can watch their specials over and over and over again, and I don't get tired of them. Yours is one of them. Kathleen Madigan, uh, Bill, oh, yeah. Bill Burr, and Mark Maron. Yeah, I can watch them over and over again, and I don't get tired of them. And I've watched your special. I don't know, probably a dozen times. Because, oh wow. Well, it's just it's funny, and I, I even if yeah. you've watched it a million times, you may catch a little nuance that you missed one time before, and it's and it makes it even funnier because there's just so many nuances to what you do that you may not catch the first time. And the more you see it, the more you see what is involved in what you're doing and how much you're actually giving to this joke. And it's it's really funny. Oh, well, thank you. You can put that in the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that. That is one of the things that really surprised me, actually. I mean, I don't know why, but just I hear that a lot from people. I didn't really expect to hear that a lot. I, of course, I craft this stuff and I take a lot of time and i i i mean i think that's one of the reasons it's been five years since my last special because i work a little slower maybe than some comedians but i think that it creates kind of a density or something in the work where it's like it's pretty specific when it finally comes out as a finished product 
all comics do that, but I do hear a lot from people. I I watch it over and over again, which surprised me. That was the thing that surprised me, but really makes me happy to hear. Well, the thing I know just from being an artist myself is that people think that what you do and actually sometimes what I do is very easy, and it's not. I mean, when I write a song, I spend a lot of time laboring over words. I mean, you labor over the simplest of words, whether that's going to work, yeah. and I'm sure you do the same thing where you're looking for that a modest amount of words to tell something something that's funny you know it's like bill burr had something in one of his specials and i won't repeat it because it's kind of controversial but it's just like it was like five words and he was like that was the perfect joke and it's like i don't know what the big deal about it, it was it was you know simple and got to the point and it was hysterical and it's just right in order to do that it takes a skill and it takes a lot of practice and you know it's something that you know, people who think comedy is easy, it's not. It's very hard because yeah. you really have to dissect things and look at things from a different point of view than you might normally do so. And the best, you know, if it, it's a great thing to hear because you, you want it to look like it's easy. Right. <laughs> you know, effort. So that's how, if it comes off that way, then uh, that's good. Well, you spoke about the Olympics and your your take on the Olympics, where you think you should have a control group of an average person, just for comparison. <laughs> right. I mean, that's brilliant. I mean, it really, if you think about it, it's brilliant because that would show you, like, how talented and skilled and fast and you know strong these people are. If you just had an average person to compare it to, because this guy, you know, you know, they'd run around the track once, and the guy would barely even be a quarter of a way around the track, and they'd be like, holy. Right. Fast, but you have nothing to compare it to but that's brilliant that you came up with that analogy and you know people normally probably would never have thought of that and it's just that's the thing about your comedy that that works is just you come up with these simple things but you it's a brilliant take on simple things i should interview you and write the story about me <laughs> so uh do you have any pets I don't. I wish I could. I just travel too much. I would love, love to have a dog. I like cats too, but I would love to have a dog or something. Well, I just wondering because uh, sometimes, you know, people add their pets to their, their comedy. And I have a couple of cats. I used to have dogs, but now I have cats because it's easier and I can yeah. leave and don't worry about yeah. it. You know, my cat is usually crawling around on top of me while I'm doing this. And, you know, right. she's very involved <laughs> in the things that I do. Yeah. So where is your your comedy evolved to? You talk about your uh, your unfortunate bus mishap what else where else is your comedy going yeah on? lately i'm kind of i mean it's kind of morphed into i mean that i was already talking about my health before that happened and about trying to take care of myself and it's a lot of that and and then the bus accident happened and it fit into that theme uh in a different way it gave me a different perspective of course I'm talking a lot about that. I mean, probably half of my show right now is talking about recovering from that and what it, how it made me feel and, and the experience of it. Now, how do, people, then, how do you feel having people laugh at your pain? Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's you know, people don't know how to react. And I, and I understand. I had to wrestle with some things. People say, you're so lucky all the time. You know, I just get this parade of people through my life going, you're walking and you're talking. This could have been so much worse. I go, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to come across as ungrateful, but I got to be honest, I just don't feel lucky. You know, I wasn't laying in front of that bus going, I'm on a hot streak. You know, it just didn't feel that way for me. It just didn't feel lucky. But, and this is a little more serious, but this is kind of the crux of the thing is that I realized, and I, I really had to wrestle with it, but I learned that you can't be grateful for a tragedy. Right. You can't, uh, but you can be grateful that 
you have all the resources to take care of that tragedy. And for that, I it was like I became very grateful. It's like I had to learn how to focus my luck <laughs> where it was. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. And yeah, well, you're in a couple of weeks, you're going to be at the Comedy Connection in, in East Providence. And uh, yeah. is there anything you want to say to folks to kind of encourage him to come out and see you? I always have a great time there. We have really good shows. Uh, if you've seen me last time I was there, I will have all new material and it's all new from the special. I really think I'm in a good place right now with my act, so it's a good time to see me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, yeah. I think we've used up our time allotment. I'll let you go and take care of the rest of your afternoon. And No problem. Um, well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, well, you I certainly appreciate to. it. I'm glad you're back. Yeah, you're, and, uh, thank you. I look forward to the show. Thank you very much for taking thank the time. Okie dokie. Thanks to Ryan Hamilton for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Ryan Hamilton will be performing five shows at the Comedy Connection in East Providence. October 20th at 7.30 p.m., October 21st at 7.30 and 9.45, and October 22nd at 7.30 and 9.30. For more info, giggle on over to ricomedyconnection.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. Thanks for listening. Thank you.